Now, friends, both that are home and that are here, this message is for all ages, all right? So I know a lot of times, kids, that it's around right now that you start to bring out the coloring books and that sort of thing. Well, I want you to be paying attention as best as you can because I'm gonna, I have a couple of questions that I'm going to ask you, and then you guys can answer me later on at the end of the service. Also, uh, I'm planning to tell some stories, and so hopefully that will be engaging for you and engaging for all of us. So my first question, though, is have you ever had a day that started off sad and then ended up happy? Has that ever happened? Show of hands, yeah? Wave a branch if that's true. Now, have you ever had a day that started off really, really happy and ended off real sad? Yeah, that probably happens more often is that than the other. Um, or sometimes, have you ever started with a day that was like, you were so excited and you're ready to go, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're totally bored. You're like, oh, this is the most boring day ever. Oh, you're waving branches? Yes, perfect. Thank you. I love that. That's like the symbol of yes. All right. So, um, a lot can happen in one day. A lot can happen in one day. Now, the Bible story that we heard today, well, that was just the beginning of the day, and we had this full, big, huge event that took place. And by the end of the day, some very strange and wonderful things happened. And a great part in the story is that there are some kids that played a very, very important role. I don't know if you knew that, but it is true. They did. And so, as I talk about this great, big, crazy day, I want you to be imagining what would it have been like, just imagine with me, what would it have been like to be there when Jesus came into Jerusalem? What would that have been like? The roads are dusty, there's people all over, maybe there's people waving branches, you start seeing people take off like their, their coats and lay it on the ground. What was the scene like? Now, at the end of it all, I'm going to ask all of you to answer these two questions. What was one thing that stood out to you? So that's one thing. What's one thing that stood out to you when I tell this story, okay? So be thinking about that. And then what was the special thing that the kids did? And why was that so special? So what was that thing that the kids did? Now, I'm going to need you to listen closely because this is a bit of an imagination moment where I would like you to picture and imagine me as someone who was there, all right? I was at this event and this was several years ago, and I am retelling you the story of when I and some of my friends were at Jerusalem when Jesus came in, all right? So, it all started off, I was a pretty little kid. Now, I'm not a very tall man, but I was an even shorter child, and I could not see past the crowds. All, of, all I knew was there was crowds starting to gather, and I was trying to see. I was trying to like look over people's shoulders, and I decided eventually that I would just go between their legs and get to the very front. Something was happening. I heard one person whisper that they thought Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. Now, I had heard stories about Jesus. I had heard stories that he was powerful, that he did miracles. I had heard that he had like done all of these crazy, beautiful things and that maybe, just maybe, he was going to drive out the Roman occupiers and we could get our homeland back. You see, I've lived my entire life not really having a full home. There's always a government that didn't belong, that was running things. And I heard that Jesus maybe, just maybe, 
was going to come and do something about these Romans. And then, as I'm watching, I hear this clip, clop, clip, clop, and people are waving branches I can barely see. And then Jesus shows up riding on a donkey, on a donkey. It's like, hee-haw, hee-haw, and it's like clipping along really slow, and I'm thinking, wait, this, this is Jesus? This is the king? This is the one? And he's riding on a donkey, not on a horse, on some great big stallion where he's like all proud with some big sword in his hand? I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed. So I turned to my parents that were actually, they'd found their way up to me, which is good and safe, and I was like, Mom, Dad, what's going on? And they said, well, actually... This is something I didn't know as a kid, but kings who have returned from battle, oftentimes when they're returning home to their home city, they don't come back on a horse, they come back on a donkey to prove that they have nothing more to conquer. They're coming back peaceful because this is their city. They don't have to win, they don't have to fight, they've already won. And I was like, whoa. Wait, if that's true, then he's announcing that he's already the king? That he's not going to even have to fight for anything? That he's already, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I started getting so excited because I was thinking in my mind, the Romans are in for it now. They are not going to like this one little bit. Not at all. So I started, I leaned a little closer. I started walking a little closer. And then I thought to myself, I remembered something from school that I learned a little earlier on. Something in school kind of just triggered in my mind. I was like, oh, I remember learning about this guy, this Zechariah, this book, where the true king would, in fact, enter the city riding on a donkey. He would be humble, and he would end war. So I was like, okay, this is all making sense. This is so good. This is so exciting. And then, no wonder people were waving branches. No wonder people were laying down coats. No wonder they had this big parade for the promised Messiah. The true king had finally arrived. Everyone was singing and shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And I couldn't help myself. I was singing and shouting too. It was so exciting. Now, this king was humble, right? But he was still the king nonetheless. And so, in my mind, I was sure, okay, now's the moment. He's still going to, like, take out a sword and he's going to go and he's going to march right up to Pilate or right up to that evil King Herod and he's going to fix things. Those Roman occupiers will not know what hit them. Oh, what if Jesus turns all of the Romans into loaves of bread and fishes? I bet he could do it. So I'm thinking this is maybe what's going to happen. So I'm following Jesus and some of my friends are following Jesus and other people are starting to go home by this point. People are like, oh, that was nice. We waved our branches. No big deal. But Jesus, he kept going, and I've kept following him. And then I thought, where do you think, if, if you were there and you were in that situation, like with me, where do you think he was headed? See, I thought he was probably headed to the palace. He was going to take his throne back. But he just kept going. He went all the way to the middle of the city. Wait. He went right past the Romans, right past all of that stuff. And where did he go but straight to the temple? The, the temple. Why? Why the temple? And then he's getting off the donkey. He's sitting down. And then he stands up again. And I'm like, uh-oh, what's going on? 
He looks some people in the eyes, and he starts to get upset. I didn't know Jesus could get upset, but Jesus got upset. And he walks over, and there's this table with all of this money on it, and he goes and he flips it over, and he's like, there's that, there's that, and he starts flipping tables over. It was unbelievable. I was like, what is happening? And then he says this out loud, and I hear him. He says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Whoa. I was like, you mean all of these people that are like making money at the temple, they're trading goods and all of that, they shouldn't be doing that? No. Jesus was not okay with this. People were now getting upset. People were confused. And I was just kind of standing there being like, what's going to happen next? And then this is what happened next. He calms himself down, he sits down, and he starts talking to people. And then some other people that had been following Jesus all the way from the beginning of the story, just like me, there were some of them that were blind, that were lame, they were sick, they weren't well, and they started lining up, and Jesus started healing them. He started helping them. He started healing them from their blindness and helping them walk and giving them advice. And people were just glowing with excitement and joy. It was the most beautiful thing. He wasn't turning the Romans into fish and loaves. He was doing something way better than that. He was a miracle worker and he was helping people. So healing after healing. And as I watched, my heart became happier and happier, and more and more excited. And I forgot all about the Romans just for that moment. I didn't think about all of those other problems that were going on. All I could think of was how loving, how good, how caring this man was, how powerful he was. And so as I was getting more and more excited, I, I had this moment. You know, have you ever been so excited um, that you just couldn't hide it? I know that I have. Um, I've been so happy that I wanted to jump up, I wanted to jump down and squeal, cheer. I don't know what, what happens for you when you're excited, but maybe run in circles, I don't know. But I got so excited in that moment, and then I remembered what we had been singing before, that Hosanna, and I just started shouting it and singing it. Hosanna to the son of David, our God saves. And I was like, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then some of my friends that were there were like, Hosanna, Hosanna. And we just started getting more and more excited. We started running around. We started running around the temple. We were just having so much fun. We were so excited that Jesus had come and had done these amazing things. That Jesus saves. And I was so excited about all of it. But there were some people that were not so excited about how excited I was. Have you ever been there before? You are so excited and people are like, please stop being so excited. Has that ever happened? Has that ever happened? Probably has. Um, in that moment, and Jesus, I looked to him, I was thinking, oh, maybe Jesus isn't happy about this either. I looked over at Jesus, looked him in the eyes, he looked and he smiled and I knew he was okay with it. And then he turns to everyone and he says these things. From the lips of children, I was like, oh, that's me. And infants, I was like, oh, that's not me, that's my little brother. <laughs> From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Which basically meant God enjoyed my praise, and he thought it was special to him, and he was glad for it. As a kid, I learned something really important that day, and it changed my life forever. 
I learned this about me. I was born to worship God. I was born to praise God. Jesus came to help people, to love people, to save people, and he would be worshipped. He should be worshipped. He is so worthy of my praise. He didn't ride in on a horse. He was perfect just the way he was. And that's when he left. He left with some of his friends and his family. He left the city and went to a nearby town called Bethany. It was a crazy, crazy day. So, here's my question. This is Pastor Trent again. What stood out to you? What were some things that were like, oh, I've never thought of that before? What stood out to you? You could just quickly share that with your neighbor. What's one thing that stood out to you in this story? Maybe share it with a parent or a sibling. Go for it. You can talk. And, and not turning the Romans into loaves of fishes. That's what I hoped, but he didn't do that. Hopefully at home you guys had a chance to talk about this as well. What stood out to you? What caught your imagination? Got you thinking? All right, and now I've got the second question for all of us. What was the special thing that the kids did? What was the special thing that the kids did? Yep. They praised God. That's right. Now, we might not think that that's like a big deal, but it was a huge deal. It was, it was the end of the entire story. And lots of times when we read a story, the end of the story has like the punchline, like the big message. Jesus goes through this whole event, and the very last thing is that Jesus is acknowledging that kids were praising his name, and he thought that was a good thing. That's really important for us to know. Um, yeah, that was the special thing that kids did. They praised God for what he did. All right, so now, quick little message for parents and for all of us. Um, Matthew had it in his mind when he wrote this, that this would be one single day, that this would be a sequence of events. Um, he doesn't want any confusion. Uh, Jesus didn't solve the Roman problem. He came and solved a heart problem. Um, so here's how we can kind of make this story personal. When Jesus entered through the gates, it was likely that most of the people there assumed that he was going to solve the external problem, that he was going to make an, take an end to the Roman Empire, that he was going to do these things. And like in our own lives, our Lord, we oftentimes put all of the pressure, all of the weight on him solving the problem out there, over there. Over there. God, I'm having financial issues Give me money. I need a job. Give me a job. My friends are being ridiculous. Make them see things in a different way. Um, God, I'm an addict. Just take the addiction away. God, those people over there are making, are making life miserable for me and my family. Just please get rid of them. It's easy for us to want to pray those prayers. And I'm not saying that those prayers aren't wrong. Or I'm not saying that those prayers are wrong. But what I'm saying is that this story has a very clear thrust, a very clear movement, that when Jesus enters into this city, people are expecting him to be powerful and mighty in a particular way, and he does something completely different. He goes straight past 
all of their expectations and he goes straight to the temple. When a king enters into a situation and he enters in, you're expecting like a throne speech. You're expecting some kind of inaugural address. Jesus' great big statement when he enters in as king is to clean up the temple and heal people. For him to go right to the heart of worship and make sure that nobody has barriers for worship and then he begins to heal people. The first battle that Jesus fights for us is for our hearts. The things that we love, the things that we desire. He goes straight past the external problems out there because his greatest concern is our hearts. It's our worship. All the things the nation of Israel expected of their Messiah, Jesus did not give that much attention. All the things the nation of Israel needed is what he gave attention to. What we selfishly want of Jesus often he barely notices and goes straight to the center of worship. The heart of what we hold dear, the heart of what I hold dear and desire to control. Um, what I give my attention to. And if I'm honest with you, I would love God to fight all of my battles on my terms. Um, I'm constantly tempted to worship Jesus in the way that I've created him to be. I hope that some, that makes sense for some of you. I'm constantly tempted to worship a God that I've created and say, yes, do these things. And when he doesn't, I'm frustrated. But what scripture shows us is that God has a different plan, a better plan, a better agenda. He doesn't ignore all of those things entirely. His first and most important plan is for our hearts. It's for our worship. It's for where we celebrate. It's where we give our attention and friends, when I give attention to God, the other things start to make more sense. Problems don't seem so big. Frustrations don't occupy my mind. Addictions don't seem to grab hold. All of these things start to lose their hold when we give our attention to the Lord. When we worship God, and that is our first thing, things fall in line. Things shift and things change. Friends, I know that even in this past year, this has probably been one of the hardest things for us to know how to do. How do we worship our God? How do we give him glory and praise when we feel disconnected from one another? How do we do this? This is the challenge. And it's an invitation for us even today, right now, to have the courage of the, the children that when they saw Jesus performing those miracles, they didn't just hold back. They declared their praise. They declared the goodness of God. That is something that we can do in our day-to-day -day lives. We can worship our God. We can praise his name. We're going to close the service off soon with singing another song. My encouragement to you is to sing the song fully. Let yourself just praise God with it. And if you don't know the words, just allow your heart to say, Lord, I, you're the best. I worship you. I love you. Kids, I am so thankful that I've been able to have today to talk to you, to tell you that story about that great and crazy day. Thank you so much for helping and for being a part of the whole thing. I'm just going to say a quick prayer for all of us, and then we're going to close off with a song. Heavenly Father, you entered Jerusalem meek and humble. People expected you to to do something grand, to do something powerful, and you did, just not what we were expecting. You went right to the temple, and you said, this is not okay. I don't want barriers for people to worship. 
and he cl- you cleared all of that out and you began to heal people. Lord, this is, this is you. This is who we worship. This is who we serve. You're a humble king with great compassion. You, you right wrongs, you heal. And so, Lord, we offer up our lives to you. We, we profess, we claim you as our king. And Lord, we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. We don't know what the next week is going to look like, but we trust you with our lives. May we follow closely after you. And when we see good things, help us to praise your name for it. When we, when we see a friend do a, a generous deed or when we see a miracle or when we see something that looks like your kingdom, help us to announce that. Help us to shout, to sing, to talk about how good you are, that you come to save. Lord, we love you. We thank you that it's Palm Sunday. We thank you that we start with celebration as we get ready for a day or a week of of mourning, really, where things start to go really dark before they get bright again. And so, Lord, we love you and we worship you now. Amen.